Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. So today was one of those Mondays where I just, like, did not want to wake up, didn't want to get out of bed, didn't want to start the week because I had such a great weekend, you know? I was, like, waking up to the reality of the the work week and adulthood and knowing that my birthday party already happened. (laughs) So this weekend, uh, my amazing, adorable husband threw me a birthday party, an early birthday party. So my birthday is at the end of the month, December 29th. Put it in your planner. Um, But, you know, because of when my birthday is, smack dab in between Christmas and New Year's, historically, no one's ever around or available. Um, Every year, you know, obviously, especially in childhood, like everyone was always gone or celebrating with their families, like having a birthday party as a kid was just a a non-starter. And I kind of thought that like, as I got older, as I was an adult, that would not be the case as much anymore. Because like, you think, okay, kids, they're on their parents' schedules, they're like traveling out of state to see their, their families, their grandparents, blah, blah, blah. But like, as adults, we get to choose our own schedules, right? Um, so basically, what I'm getting is like, now as an adult, when people don't come to my birthday, it's because they chose not to, not because their parents chose not to. Uh, so yeah, even the past few years, like my birthday parties are always a bust. Um, I've definitely cried at a few, but it's my party, I can cry if I want to. But I will say this, my early birthday party 2022, no tears were shed. It was so much fucking fun. I had the best time ever. Um, So many amazing friends were here. My family was here. Uh, It was just a blast. So to everyone who came, thank you so much. To all of my listeners and followers online who saw me posting photos and videos and wished me a happy birthday, thank you so much. Um, But you're going to have to do it again in like three weeks. So (laughs) sorry. Speaking of sorry, uh, have you guys seen that new Old Navy commercial with Jennifer Coolidge? And um, she's playing the piano and it's like a ding, ding, jingle bells, dong, dong, dong. And then eventually she's like, hashtag sorry, not sorry. And every time I see it, I'm like, what the fuck is she sorry, not sorry about? Like, I just don't get it. And I've started like when it comes on, I like stop everything and I really invest in this commercial to try and figure out what she's not sorry about and I can never figure it out so if anyone has seen this commercial and like gets it or if anyone is on the marketing team for Old Navy and like knows what the fuck this commercial is about please let me know because I don't understand what is she saying hashtag sorry not sorry about like is she not sorry that she's wearing Old Navy because she should be speaking of people who should or shouldn't be sorry and that was the worst segue ever, but I don't know. (laughs) You got to do what you got to do, guys. So uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. All right, let me break it down. I'm I'm not like a royal family head. I don't know. Does the royal family have a fan base and are they called royal family heads? I don't don't know. But I'm not someone who's big into the the royal family or like that whole scene. I'm not like a a big um, like European history guy in general. I'm not like a history guy in general. I mean, if it didn't happen, you know, on Bravo, I don't care about it. But I'm not someone who like subscribes to all that. I know a lot of people love the royal family and they love like all of that whole culture and the whole shebang. I mean, I see what a to-do it is anytime anyone royal gets married. It's like the world shuts down. Um, But I, I will never understand the hate that Meghan Markle and Prince Harry get. I really don't understand it. And um, 
it makes me really sad. And like, again, I don't know these people from Adam. Like I like Meghan Markle used to hold a briefcase or something. Um, That's like about the extent of what I know about her, other than the fact that she married into this royal family. And pretty much since then, all she does is get shit on by everyone. Um, uh, So anyways, it, it, it frustrates me. And, uh, I saw recently that um, she and Harry have a new Netflix special that's going to come out. And, you know, people were just up in arms over this. And I saw a lot of people saying, like, they just need to disappear. Like, they didn't want to be a part of the royal family. So they need to just, like, basically crawl in a hole and die. Um, You know, I mean, I didn't literally see someone say that. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone did. And and my problem with this is, like, just because they don't want to be you know, part of that royal world anymore doesn't mean that, like, they, A of all, like, don't have the right to tell their story, or B of all, that they don't want any publicity or notoriety or anything like that. Like, I don't think the issue that they had with their time, you know, in the monarchy or whatever, was that, you know, they they were famous for it. I think the issue that they had was how they were treated by the other royals. Um, and so many people are like, they just need to shut up. Like, if they wanted privacy, they, they need to just disappear. But, like, I don't think they were ever asking for privacy. I think they were asking for respect. So, um, again, as someone who knows nothing about any of this, those are my two cents. <laughs> So last night, Matt and I finally got around to watching Bros, uh, the movie starring Billy Eichner. He starred in it and he wrote it. Um, And you guys, I I was a little hesitant. I mean, it looked great. And when it first came out, I was super excited. But then, um, you know, the, the reviews were really mixed and like the response and the reaction was really mixed, especially within the LGBTQ community. Um, And I thought that was odd. And it, it made me a little hesitant going into the movie. I was like, God, I, I I almost feel like I shouldn't watch it because I'd rather not watch it than watch it and hate it, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't want to have to hate this, like, big gay movie that we were all supposed to love, you know? Um, so we put it on, and I just have to say that I didn't hate it. Uh, in fact, you guys, I loved it. I thought it was so adorable it was hilarious it was so funny it was heartwarming um i cried several times it was it was hot it was it was just everything that you would want in a big gay movie um and the story that it told i thought was one that like it 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 resonated with me and with my husband despite the fact that like i don't think we necessarily personally related to either of these characters like they weren't the the uh I don't know, archetypes that we necessarily see ourselves in, but that didn't make us, like, n- not get it. You know, I I, uh, I myself and my husband, too, at least I fucking hope so, we've never been, like, into, uh, I don't know, swinging, for lack of a better term. Or, like, you know, we're, we're very monogamous. We're not into, like, threesomes or, or you know, any of that kind of stuff. Um, we're, we're like kind of square, but the characters in this movie, there was just a lot of like fluidity and openness. And there was like, you know, there were these three characters that were in a thruple and, and just all of it was, was handled in a way that was really well done. And it didn't make us, you know, these two like gay old married prudes. It didn't make us uncomfortable. If anything, I like, I, I really enjoyed it and I really rooted for these characters um despite the fact that like i didn't necessarily feel like i could relate to them in in that aspect of it all in like the 
sexual aspect of it all. Um, what what we could relate to, obviously, was just navigating dating, navigating being single, which we both had to do, you know, in our 20s. And we ultimately, I think anytime we see a movie that's about dating or romance or, you know, anything like that, we are both just kind of like, oh, thank God we don't have to do that anymore. Um, I am so happy being an old gay married prude. <laughs> like, we're, we're just... Uh, I'm so happy in our little married routine that we've got. And there is no part of me that ever wants to go out to like a gay club to pick someone up ever again. The fact that I don't have to have dating apps on my phone, like it brings me such joy. And like my husband himself is great too, but just just the fact that I have a husband in general is like enough for me. <laughs> Anyways, uh, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're anything in between, um, go watch Bros. I, I highly recommend it. Like I said, it was really cute. It was so funny. You're going to laugh your ass off. And we need more movies like this. We need more LGBTQ representation. We just need more, uh, more movies that show gay people for who they really are um, and not as like a punchline or you know last week i i think i think it was last week on my podcast i talked about this it, um but just how you know traditionally growing up for me lgbtq representation was one of two things it was either like the the you were either the punchline or the punching bag basically you were either the butt of the joke or it was like a story about how you were being hate crimed so i'm i'm so glad that we are in a time that allows people like Billy Eichner to have a platform and to write movies that just show real nuanced gay characters experiencing love. And it's awesome. So thanks, Billy. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plum, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Sinmin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Sinmin has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Sinmin definitely helps. All right, so I saw a breaking Bravo headline that said, 
Randall Emmett has some bad news for Vanderpump Rules fans, hoping to get the inside scoop after his split with Lala Kent, because he's revealed he won't be making a return for the show's 10th season. In a very surprising interview, the movie producer told The Sun, I never wanted to be on Vanderpump, but I respect the show's success. Okay, so first of all, none of this is surprising. None of this is breaking news. None of this is shocking. Um, did anyone think that Randall Emmett would be back after breaking up with Lala? Like, that that's... <laughs> I'm sorry, he wasn't a character on the show before Lala. He certainly wasn't going to be a character on the show after Lala. Um, no one wants to see Randall on this show. And, like, you know, uh, them being like, yeah, this is really disappointing for fans who wanted to get the inside scoop. Okay, so first of all, no one's disappointed by this. Second of all, Lala's still going to be there. So we're like, we're still going to get the scoop. And see of all, even if, even if Randall was there... Whatever he would, whatever bullshit he would be spewing would not be the scoop. It would be just that. It would be bullshit. Like, I, I would not trust that guy. Yeah, like, I wouldn't take anything that he says seriously. Um, he's, he's skeezier than Jax Taylor. Like, that is a feat. That is, like, impressive. <laughs> but also terrifying. So I don't think anyone's sad. I'm certainly not disappointed uh, that we will never have to see Randall Emmett on our screens ever again, unless maybe like in some breaking, some real breaking news report that he was like arrested for scamming people or I don't know. I, I, I see him as like a real creepy guy. Um, I don't know if you guys ever read that LA Times article about him, but it's like 30 pages long, but you should read it. Uh, the day it came out, it was sent to me from Lala's assistant, uh, who I actually know personally. Her name is Jess, and if you listen to the Give Them Lala po podcast, um, she co-hosts with Lala. And I used to record music with her boyfriend. His name is Kyle, and they used to live in Nashville. And when I lived in Nashville, I recorded music with him, and we became friends, and I know they're their dog and all of that. And so uh, when they moved to LA, I saw she started working for Lala and I was like, OMG. Um, and so I connected with her. Anyways, the day that article came out, she sent it to me, which I think is is interesting. Um, I mean, obviously Lala was was a part of the interview and was, and was um, you know, clearly excited to share her story. And so I think they really wanted to like get the word out. Um, but I still have the article. So if you want it, I can send it to you guys. Uh, anyways, I, so my relationship with, with Jess, with Lala's assistant, um, she's the best. She's so sweet. I really like her. She's also hilarious. You should go follow her online. Um, a few weeks ago, or maybe it was a couple months ago already. I don't know. Time is weird, but she saw this like viral TikTok that was like, oh my God, we need to talk about mini lasagnas in a loaf pan. And it was this girl who had discovered baking mini lasagnas in a loaf pan and it just like changed her life. So uh, Jess saw this TikTok that was like, we need to talk about this. And she made her own <laughs> video of her just like calling everyone she knows and just being like, um, can we please talk about mini lasagnas in a loaf pan? And like hearing everyone's reactions of just being like, I'm sorry, what? It was hilarious. But long story short, stay with me guys. Uh, like a week after that, Bethany Frankel put out an identical video of her calling people, including, I think, Andy Cohen, and asking if they could talk about mini lasagnas and a loaf pan. Um, so, cheater brand? 
Anyways, Jess, I love you. You are a lasagna queen. However, however, the reason why I bring all of this up is because I do have a bone to pick with Jess and with Lala. Um, I tweeted a few weeks ago that there was a Bravo Leb who has canceled on my podcast several times now, and I, I added a gif um, of, of Kelly Dodd being like, you're a goddamn liar. <laughs> and you know it's serious if I throw Kelly Dodd in there because I am not a Kelly Dodd fan. But I just felt like I was being lied to by Jess and by Lala. So Lala has, she has been uh, tentatively scheduled to be on my podcast, not twice, but I think like thrice now at this point. Um, And every time she has to cancel. And I got bummed out because this last time Jess told me that you know, she's just not doing podcasts right now. She's kind of taking a break. And then like literally two days later, she was on some other guy's podcast. And I don't like that other guy. And now I don't really like Jess or Lala. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. I still like you guys. And I still want Lala on my podcast, but like it's got to actually happen. So let's make it happen. Um, I feel like there's a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, the new season's coming up. Um and and here's the thing, like Katie has been on my podcast, so I feel like I have a, re- a like a reference, a referral. Katie knows that I'm nice. I'm not gonna try and like do any weird gotcha journalism. Um, but apparently, if you if you cancel on me, I will call you out. <laughs> so so you better not cancel again, Lala. It's the holiday season, which means that we're all a little more likely to be indulging in some chocolatey goodies. But when you really look at what some of our favorite generic candy is made of, it'll make you feel like you belong on the naughty list. Don't limit yourself to your kids' advent calendar leftovers. This holiday season, treat yourself to some grown-up candy. Vosges Haute Chocolate was founded in 1998 when CEO and founder Katrina Markoff pioneered the concept of exotic chocolate by fusing spices, herbs, nuts, and flavors from around the world with premium chocolate. Explore a wide variety of assorted chocolates made with vibrant cacao and superiorly sourced ingredients. Vosges Artisan Chocolate is meant to balance the body, mind, and spirit when eaten mindfully. Indulge in gourmet chocolate with exotic chocolate flavor profiles, such as Dulce de Leche Bonbons, Manchego and Cherry Dark Chocolate Bars, and Ginger Turmeric Milk Chocolate. The perfect gift for the chocolate lover in your life or yourself, Vosges Haute Chocolates offers premium chocolate gifts and chocolate gift baskets. You guys, these are not your kids' candy bars. Order your premium chocolates online today and taste the difference. Visit VosgeChocolate.com, that's Vosge spelled V-O-S-G-E-S, chocolate.com, and use code Blake to get 15% off your order. Happy holidays! Okay, let's talk about last week's episode of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. The episode opens with Jen Shaw having trauma flashbacks as she puts her contact lenses in. So do we think that she had, like, a contact lens issue on the morning she was arrested, which is triggering this PTSD? I don't know. Contact lenses are intense, man. Angie H., Heather, and Dana go out to lunch and to discuss their upcoming trip to San Diego, which Angie was not invited to. Apparently, this made Angie very sad, so she went around from girl to girl to try and snag an invite. Fortunately for Jen, and unfortunately for Angie, no one took the bait. Jen invites Meredith over to spill some tea, both literally and figuratively, and to celebrate Ramadan. 
Jen tells us that to her, Ramadan is about being forgiven for your sins, so we know she's celebrating big this year. Meredith takes this time of reflection to let Jen know that she's invited Dana on the trip, even though Jen didn't want her to. And surprisingly, Jen doesn't rip her head off. I guess that tea she poured was a calming blend. Heather's telling Dana and Angie that she basically suppresses all of Jen's bullshit and buries it deep down inside. This is so interesting to me considering when Whitney says or does something she doesn't like, she picks her up and throws her across the room. I guess for Heather, it's about knowing thy enemy. Jen Shaw would rip Heather apart, whereas Whitney is a tiny little kitten. Heather's proving herself to be a bully here, because she's only going up against those who are clearly weaker than she is. Lisa Barlow's at home packing for the trip, and she has one suitcase for each day, plus another one just for shoes. Iconic behavior. Meanwhile, Jen and Angie Kay are planning all of the details for their trip, including a Greek dinner and a Hawaiian luau hybrid event. The ladies arrive one by one to the airport, each one bringing lots of literal and metaphorical baggage. And when the gang arrives in San Diego, they head to their Grecian-inspired mansion to get the party and the drama started. As is usually the case in the Bravo-verse, picking out rooms proves to be an issue. What else is new? Angie Kay gives herself the primary suite, which does not sit well with Jen Shaw, who, as Whitney reminds us, is facing a very small cell, or, I mean, studio apartment, in the near future. The fact that Angie is also taking the lead and giving everyone a tour of the house is also not sitting well with Jen, which I really don't get. Like, I get that Jen wants to be the center of attention, don't we all? But has Jen ever been to this house before? How could she give the tour? Like, I wanted to scream at Jen, just let Angie have a moment. But, well, in a few minutes, Jen is going to give Angie that moment, that's for sure. So, while trying to fill the ladies in on the rest of the plans for the trip, Jen decides to give Angie a shower. A champagne shower. She pours a glass of champs on Angie's head, which is so fucked up for multiple reasons. One, how degrading to do to your friend. Like, it is never okay to dump a liquid on your friend's head unless you're, I don't know, clearly having a food fight or you're, like, in the pool or something. Two, it's champagne, not water. So you know that bitch is gonna be sticky all night long. Ugh. And three, it's champagne, not water. Don't waste it. Heather Dubrow would never. All of the ladies look shocked, but shocked like completely frozen, not shocked like I need to tell this woman she's insane. Jen, trying to diffuse the situation and make it seem like dumping champagne on someone's head is totally normal, pours some on herself. She's being a real Teresa G. It's funny, laugh, ha ha, but like, it's not. Angie and Lisa go upstairs, and Angie breaks down. She's embarrassed and sad, but more than anything, she's pissed. So pissed that she is about to reveal some secrets about Jen Shaw, like the fact that she didn't pay a dime for the $15,000 birthday party thrown at Angie's house for Coach Shaw. Angie could have bought her daughter a pony with that amount of money. Which, you know, she still did, she's sure to let Lisa know. But still, what if she couldn't have bought the pony? Then what? Wow. Talk about a bombshell. But let's be real. Why would Angie throw a party for a criminal and think she was going to get paid back? Just saying. Downstairs, Dan is telling Heather that Jen is, was, and always will be ridiculous, and Heather needs to stand up to her. Heather, however, thought that the champagne dump was hilarious and that Angie deserved it, and well, she's really just terrified of Jen and she will never, never go up against her. Jen comes in, and when Dana tells her that she didn't like how she handled things with Angie, Jen defends herself, saying, You can't say you're my friend of 20 years and then get mad at this, as if when Angie met Jen 20 years ago, it was at a champagne dumping party or something. Like, come on now, your tenure as friends has nothing to do with you treating her like shit today. Jen Shaw, you need to plead guilty to your crime of being a bad friend. The ladies head onto the Sprinter van to head to their first San Diego outing, and we all know what happens in Sprinter vans. Whitney, who is certainly mixing it up this season, I will give her that, notes that there's some weirdness in the air. Um, no shit, Wit. Don't you remember what just happened at the house? 
Jen and Angie start going back and forth, and Jen refuses to take any accountability. She says it's a joke, and basically says Angie's not a good friend because she didn't get the joke. When Angie asks the ladies to raise their hand if they thought the joke was funny, it's crickets. Jen Shaw, read the room. Just apologize. But because she won't, Angie lets it rip. She reveals that Jen didn't pay for any of Coach Shaw's event. Heather, always up Jen's butt, is like, but I was there when you offered her home. But like, I don't think offering your home as a venue means that you necessarily have to pay for the entire party, right? So like, okay, let's break it down. I think if you say to someone, I want to throw you a party, or I want to throw the party for Coach Shaw, then yes, you are now the event host and it's your deal. I think, however, if your friend talks about having a party and you go, oh, well, we can do it at my place, that isn't necessarily an offer to pay for everything. Like, maybe some things, but, like, the Shaws should at least be pitching in, right? Jen tries to defend herself and act like this is all so ridiculous because Angie had a food tasting at her house and she ordered all this booze, but Coach Shaw doesn't even drink. But, like, okay, A, just because she helped pick out the food for the event doesn't mean that you're relieved from paying for anything. Like, I just don't understand why Jen would assume that all of this was free because someone agreed to donate a venue. And B, just because Coach Shaw doesn't drink, does that mean you wouldn't have any alcohol at all? Like, if Angie didn't loan her your home for the night and you had the party at, I don't know, a hotel or, like, a fucking rec room based on Jen's current budget, would it be a dry party? I mean, I know it's Utah, but I highly doubt it. Jen then says she gave Angie a $5,000 necklace as a thank you, so how dare she say that she didn't pitch in? But as Angie explains, the necklace was basically a re-gift, and a necklace is also not a check. If I loaned someone money and they repaid me with a re-gifted item that they didn't want anymore, I would, I don't know, probably pour a drink over their head. Okay, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. As always, go follow me on social media, at Blonde Hair, Black Heart. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And please go give me a five-star rating or review. After all, it is my birthday month. Until next time, bye. Bye.